you want a piece of me? Come get some. Heads up. Oh, shit! Oh, hiya. Don't sneak up on me like that! Want a cup of tea? Since when have I ever drunk tea? Herbal tea, then? Green herbs or red? Uh, chamomile? Well, that's not going to heal me. What's the matter? Covid again? You're joking, aren't you? The city's overwhelmed. The tea virus is everywhere. Ah, hence you don't want a cuppa. Not that kind of tea. Zombies, Teo. Zombies. The Z-Men. Shamblers. The undead. The living dead. AMC's The Walking Dead. Alright, alright. I know what a zombie is. <gasps> There's a girl in the garden. Don't worry, it's not what you think. She's just heading up the field for a stroll. Hi, Barbara. A stroll? Today of all days, she'll get eaten alive. Anyway, where were we? Ah, yes, words for zombies. Uh, walkers? Hmm, tenuous, I'd say. Though it was good enough for AMC's The Walking Dead. No, I mean, look, there are walkers in the field catching up with Barbara. Must be her friends. Maybe she's part of a rambling group. Ooh, ramblers. Oh, God, no. All right, it's not that bad. It's a synonym. No, it's them. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, don't. You'll scare her. Hey, deadhead, take about a peach. Right, that's enough. That's a controller, not a gun. Come off the PlayStation, you're frightening the neighbours. What are you playing anyway? It looks mindless and gruesome. Nah, it's a subtle blend of lateral thinking and extreme violence. Hmm, think I'd prefer Zelda. But come off it now and tidy this shit up. You want to live like an animal? Go and live in the shed. Come on, apply yourself, Ben. Oh, I don't want to be Ben. I want to be Jill Valentine. Well, I want the rugged Latin American good looks of Carlos Oliveira too, but I'm Teo. And this isn't Raccoon City, this is... Pixel Vision! It's weird to put in, like, so many references. It's borderline plagiarism. No, it's good. It's in keeping with the episode, right? We've remade the intro of that spaced episode for the podcast in the same way that they... Remade the Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Remade this game for the modern age. Yeah, that's true. And Resident Evil. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. Ah, in a way, we are like Edgar Wright. Yeah, in our small, (laughs) small way. We're just the same. Remakes within remakes. Now it's Pixel Vision. This time next year, it'll be Mission Impossible 22. (laughs) It's not as if any mission's going to be rougher than the last one, is it? (laughs) Is it? All right. Well, should we get into it? Yeah. Resident Evil 3 we've been playing, if you didn't guess, from the uh, zombie-laden reference intro. Oh, what did you think of Resident Evil 3, Tao? I thought it was a damn good time, is what I thought it was. I pretty much, like, loved every minute of this game. And it wasn't too long, and it was just fun and frightening throughout. Yeah, I thought it was very, very good. Me too, man. But what's interesting is, because I couldn't help but compare it, not, as you might expect, with the original from 1999, which, although I think I probably did play, because bits of this felt extremely familiar Mm. that isn't the comparison i was leaping to instead i was comparing it to resident evil 2 Mm. the remake which came out just before this surprisingly numbered resident evil 3 Mm. which was in my view better than this and so in some ways i felt like this was not as good as that and that did 
impact on my enjoyment of it to some extent, but minimally. Like mm. overall, I was just like, this is more great stuff and I'm having a great time. It's weird that it is so fun. Yeah. Can you put your finger on why it is? <laughs> well, yeah, for me, it's the powerlessness in it. Because with most modern games, certainly third-person games, you're used to having fluid control over your character. And when you don't, like a game gets panned. Like you think about The Witcher 3, people really criticise the combat and that and the dodging and stuff because it wasn't quite fluid enough. Or this, it's like you're not getting anything <laughs> from the animations or anything. Mm. Like it's it's clunky as hell, but it just it works so well within the genre that it's aiming for. It's interesting to hear you say it's clunky as hell though, because even though I didn't draw the direct comparison with the original 1999 game, I did after playing this one think. I wonder how different it is to that original game and go back and watch some gameplay of that. Oh, yeah. And it is jaw-dropping how far games have come in, like, two decades, basically. And, like, talking wooden and clunky, the animations in that original Resident Evil 3 are laughable, Mm. but still kind of charming. Um, And one of the amazing things is that, I guess because of computational constraints, the environments are so much tighter in the original one like they're really small little scenes and every time you run off screen it has to like quickly jump to the next like scene as it were yeah, yeah, the yeah. next area that you're exploring and as a result every single one of them is really tight and mm. compact and feels so claustrophobic like even just watching this other player play it, i was like oh my god there could be a zombie just off screen which you don't get in this no you can very much just go around the corner with your right thumbstick like peek round, even though that's not a feature of the game like there's no peeking from your character but there is peeking from your camera control as a player mm. which yeah as you say there wouldn't be in the original for sure well all right then before we go straight into all the deets give us your tear monologue just remind everyone what on earth is this hell on earth which is resident evil 3 yeah exactly well it's a really long-standing game series and i didn't look at the number of games that there is but there's a lot of games in this series and there's a whole film series as well i wouldn't be surprised that there's books about it and everything it's about a straight down the line zombie universe as you can get there's been an outbreak of a virus released by shadowy corporation all of raccoon city's suffering began with the release of a biological weapon known as the t-virus my employer the umbrella corporation engineered this virus you play as jill valentine who is a cop trying to uncover the evil machinations of that corporation and you embody her at the point at which the virus has gone out of control in raccoon city you're just about to break open the whole story when this giant juggernaut monster as well as the virus breaking out in the city this giant juggernaut monster starts to pursue you and yeah the game is basically a fight for your survival against both the zombies this big monster that's pursuing you and trying to get a cure for the infection yeah and i feel like we should mention you don't just play as jill valentine no it's true you also play as her sassy sidekick yeah. kind of <laughs> uh carlos Oliveira, i think his name is yeah yeah what did you think of him Teo? bit of a charm uh, you, yeah he's ludicrously charming there like i don't know yeah yeah he's ludicrously charming the funny thing is i'm not sure if he's charming or condescending and a little bit creepy hey captain this fine young lady could use our help. All right, super cop. Here you go. We can use this to stay in contact. 
I know what a radio is. No, because you'd think that you would be, right? Because there's a few moments where he has to save Jill's life. And to be fair, I think you save, Jill saves his life as much as he saves hers. But either way, like there's a chance for him to be like a bit of a creep there. But he's never less than a gentleman, don't you think? Personal space. Okay, I get it. Let's go. He's very 21st century, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's of our time, I would say. They've rewritten him because it's like he literally isn't of our time. <laughs> They've rewritten both characters a lot. I did actually check out what a few of the deviations from the original game were, mm. and it has changed a fair amount. I mean, we introduced it last episode as a sort of verbatim remake, and mm. I, it kind of is. Like, it's as close to that as remakes get, really. Mm. But even so, they changed a lot. So certain enemies have been cut, like there are no giant spiders, for instance. Right. Some areas of the original game are missing. There's a key character from the original game called Barry Burton, who just doesn't exist at all in this game. And in the original game, there were multiple endings that were optional. Whereas in this one, it's kind of a linear story and outcome. So you don't get any multiple options. You just get one incredibly bleak ending, which we'll get to. Mm. <laughs> but those changes, I guess, wouldn't bother you unless you're like wedded to the original game. Mm. The other thing they did change though, are the two leads. So yeah. Jill Valentine, she was a bit sexualized previously. I mean, not Tomb Raider 2, but high boots, black men, mini skirt, little tight blue top that she wore a bit controversially these days. Mm. So they changed her outfit so she's much more, looks like she's just wearing a police uniform really, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, just really regular, regular run-of-the-mill clothes for sure. And then he's been totally redesigned because in the first one he's got this boy band, perfect parting and an open shirt, white-skinned, etc. He looks like your generic kind of US Hollywood cop right from 30 years ago at least McBain oh I guess McBain's German but I get your point <laughs> now my Woody Allen impression I'm a neurotic nerd who likes to sleep with little girls hey that really sucked <laughs> <laughs> but yeah exactly whereas now of course they've made him they, his whole hair his whole aesthetic is totally different in fact mm. now he's this chiseled windswept Packer type. He looks like he's just got off a surfboard, doesn't he? Mm, he does, yeah. He's a cool character, though. I do really like him. He seems like super innocent throughout. So, like you said, he works for Umbrella Corp as part of their basically cleanup team. Like, if something goes wrong with one of their biological weapons, which they make, then they've hired this private army to kind of sort it out. But he thinks it's like a good thing, right? But sort it out. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Being like, not necessarily sort it out, like resolve the problem for the public. So mm. not just resolve it for the Umbrella Corp. Yeah, cover it up. But that's not his interpretation of what he's... He's trying to save the city. Like that's His and Jill's motivation in the game is exactly aligned and becomes more aligned as the game goes on. I got Jill knew all along. And she trusted me anyway. Initially, when they start out, she is sceptical because he works for Umbrella Corp, right? Yeah, of course. So he appears and crops up and she thinks, oh, who's this guy? And then when she realises he works for them, mm. she's like, no, but it's your fault. It's their fault. And he doesn't really get what she's on about. Yeah. Oh, how naive he is. Like, you're right. Innocent. Too yeah. innocent, perhaps. Yeah. He's really trusting throughout. And it's interesting because they, well, I don't know. We're going to end up touching on a lot of spoilers in this game because it's, well, for one, it's a really old game. So I kind of think that's fine. <laughs> yeah, they're out there. But also just in, if we're going to talk about the story, then we're just necessarily going to like 
unravel it and spoil it, aren't we? So and it's a short game as well. So there's only, if we didn't touch on key elements of the story, we'd be basically talking about the first hour of gameplay or even less, in fact. Yeah, and, and obviously we will talk about the game mechanics, which I didn't talk about at all in the entire monologue, like third person over the shoulder shooter. But there's not too much to talk about there, is there? Well, I mean, there is, but... Well, actually, because that's quite funny when I first started playing this game, is my initial reaction was like, oh, shit, I'm not going to enjoy this as much as I thought I was going to, because it starts with this really gratuitously gory dream sequence in first person, and the first person view is horrible. It's, like, so zoomed in that your field of view is teeny-weeny. And when I went into the settings thinking, like, having a mental block, forgetting mm. it was going to be third person uh, over the shoulder style and just thinking I'm not going to be able to play with this horrible zoomed in view. Went to settings and field of view was an option, but it was greyed out. And I was like, what? What's going on? And I was freaking out. And then I was like, well, I'll just play it for a bit and see what happens. And then, of course, that's just a dream sequence. It lasts for about two minutes yeah. before it goes back to. But because I know that more recent Resident Evils have gone first person, by more recent, I think I'm talking like basically six, seven, mm. uh, The Village. Is it The Village or just Village? Uh, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Super fans will already be complaining to us about our coverage of this franchise. <laughs> but yeah, that threw me off. So I do think the third person thing, and we touched on why it's important to begin with as well, because mm. like certainly in the original games, you couldn't see what was off screen. Your vision was so tight that you couldn't really see where the zombies were coming from or when, mm. and you constantly felt under threat. Whereas in this game, you don't quite feel as much under threat. Like I didn't really feel scared at any point, but you certainly feel hyper alert and mm. you're looking for threats always, aren't you? Yeah, and the music plays a really big part of this. It just fully has a horror film score where it's like, every now and again to like put you on edge which is just a trick right well certainly on standard mode you don't have too much to be scared about the thing that you're scared about is running out of ammo isn't it mm. or um occasionally being far away from the save point but the save points are so generous and there's auto save as well yeah i never found that to be more than like a minor issue of like losing a few minutes the sound design does that clever thing as well whereby the sounds of the ambience and the actual physical things in your environment mm. are almost mimicking the sounds of zombies. <laughs> so like one of the parts, you're in a sewer, for instance, and there's waterfalls, you know, like water shooting out of culverts and other things. And that sound is this sort of low rumble, this kind of roar that you can hear in the distance. Sometimes, because obviously it's moving mm. as you move around, as you pan around, the origin of that sound is changing. It just feels like you're constantly under threat, yeah. which is really cool. I remember that being a key feature of Alien Isolation as well. Yeah, for sure. And Dead Space as well was the one it reminded me of that I can remember most clearly. Yeah. Because of the perspective that you have on the character as well. Yeah, you're right, because there can be times in the games where it's so silent that you're scared that you can't hear anything. <laughs> if you could hear some groaning or something, then at least you'd know that something was coming up. But then other times there's like an annoying amount of noise. So say... Say there's some like zombies that are, are clattering on the window, but they haven't broken through yet. It's like, do I need to be worried about them? Like probably at some point. Yeah, that's such a good point. But like not yet. So I can just walk past them and that's fine. And then you walk past them again and there's two there and you're like, oh, okay. And you walk past again and there's three there and you're like, they're definitely getting through <laughs> at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Yeah, and it's usually at the point when somehow, despite the fact you've been aware of them every time, you've forgotten that they're there, mm. or you just assume that that wouldn't be the time they're going to break through. That happened in so many places. Yeah. Or it looks like it's totally secure, and then the window just breaks and they fall in. The same window they've been hammering against for ages. Mm. Those moments of suspense, it feels at least that they've crafted them really carefully. Mm. And because each area, which is, well, I guess you could say each level as well, is pretty small and claustrophobic and there's a lot of backtracking in the game so go to point a get the thing to come back to point b and then in some cases back to point a again maybe to c you're recovering retreading ground that you've you've been on many times but you never feel maybe once you've done it like a good few times you can feel secure but you know that they've scripted it they're expecting you to come back they're going to have scripted something to scare you or to catch you out the second time no matter which way you've gone it so that's quite nice yeah that form of retreading old ground gets a lot of criticism in gaming and quite rightly in most cases i think actually because it can be incredibly Mm. tedious for people but i actually think this is an illustration of like exactly how to do it Mm. and resident evil 2 is the same which is As you're going through the first time, there are loads of things that you see but can't do anything with or can't Mm. access, possible passageways, possible routes, like potential openings, all of those things you observe and you kind of think to yourself, like, oh, I wonder what's through there, but for whatever reason, you can't go through there, Mm. which means even though you are retreading old ground later, each time you do it, there's a novelty to it. Part of that is the fact that you are essentially, the reason you're going from A to B is to get specific objects, isn't it? Mm. Specific items that you then put in your inventory can either upgrade or they just unlock a specific area once or maybe twice. And I really like that. Some of these items, they have a lifespan. Like you get the bolt cutters, you use them maybe like seven times and then the game's like, yeah, you actually don't need this anymore. You can get rid of it kind of thing. Mm. Which even when it told me that, I was like, should I get rid of it or should I just maybe just store it just in case it's a trick? Such hoarders. It even puts a literal trash symbol on the icon of the of the item so that you can be sure to do it. But yeah, I did exactly the same thing as you. I'm, I'm like, no, no, I'll, 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 wait. <laughs> I'll wait until I'm at the storage box at the save point and just tuck it in there instead in case we have any of you again. Yeah, because I think that a storage box is, you know, it's essentially like a magic sack. You yeah. Can put yeah. whatever you want in it, right? So I didn't see the reason to dispose of it. If just in case, like later in the game, it's like, ah, surprise, motherfucker, you'll have to get this on your replay. Yeah, it's a magic box in that you can fit as much stuff as you want in there. And then also it's interconnected web of boxes throughout the different rooms, which completely breaks reality, but is obviously very welcome <laughs> in a game like this. Yeah. And actually, to be fair, I mean, like, we're in a game about zombies. (laughs) How important is the thread of reality to that game? Mm. Especially, actually, given that I would say my main issue with this game, the entire thing, and I'll be interested to hear what your take on this is as well, because you're someone who, as far as I can tell, based on our coverage so far, isn't someone who loves massively cinematic pre-scripted almost quick time style events where you're essentially hitting a or x or whatever Mm. and getting to the next sequence and then there's another little action sequence and that's sort of the way the narrative is compelled forwards and while resident evil 2 did that a little bit but not very much this one especially at the beginning it feels like 
and at the very end as well. There's a like nice spell in the middle where you're doing your own thing. But like at the beginning and the end, there are so many, this series of improbable escapes that's yeah. one after the other. Yeah. And it's so relentless that you're like, for God's sake. But I, I just found it so funny and entertaining. I was on the edge of my seat, but I was laughing at the same time. And that intro sequence is definitely fine for us to talk about that. So we've already said that the big nemesis, he's literally called Nemesis, starts to pursue you. And he's like this huge beefy guy, like breaks through the wall. <laughs> starts chasing you through the building. And you're just, I don't know how long that sequence lasts, like five, ten minutes of you just running away from him, like you say, like crawling under things, clambering, like throwing doors on him, pushing rubble onto him, like whatever you can do to get away. And I just thought it was hilarious, like the number of times it was like, oh, almost got you and just got away. Almost got you and just got away. Yeah, but also he's the least so efficient funny. killing machine ever. He's got all this brute strength and apparently no subtlety to his movements whatsoever. As a result, you kind of escape through tiny little gaps, creep through vents, run down a flight of stairs, start running along the corridor in the story below the one he's on and he just smashes down through the ceiling to you. And you're like, what? <laughs> how am I going to escape this guy? Mm. And actually, often I did wonder, like, how have I escaped that guy? Like, he's just behind this fence, yeah. but somehow he's just decided not to pursue me any further. Yeah, I mean, it makes a little bit more sense a bit later in the game where you're kind of closing giant blast doors on him that he can't get through in, like, some sort of high-tech facility. But at the beginning, when it's just... He's literally broken through a whole building and you're, like, at the next block over and somehow <laughs> you've bamboozled him at this point. yeah. Especially because no <laughs> obstacle seems to slow him down. Like, mm. he literally just charges through buildings, through walls, breaks bridges. At one stage, he just swims through the river, I think, to get you, which is, like, it's crazy. And also, like, every single time the game teases you, openly mocks you with these little achievements as mm. well, like Project N, downed, Nemesis, dead, question mark. Yeah. Has he gone, question mark. And you're like, no, I fucking know he hasn't gone. Yeah. This is going to be a persistent threat from start to finish. I found that, I've got to say, this is a gimmick. The invulnerable enemy gimmick, I do not enjoy by and large. Yeah, I just thought it was funny. It never took away from my enjoyment of the game. I just thought it was really, really silly. Like the one where Jill's just really confident for some reason. Like he's, he bursts out of the door on, in fire and like walks into this. What, to be honest, looks like a pretty shallow river anyway. <laughs> like it's not some sort of like epic torrent. And then she's like, huh, stupid thing, can't even swim. And then is like talking on the walkie talkie, like with supreme confidence that, <laughs> yeah, it's the shallow river that's done it in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She has those Funny. quips the whole way through. Like at times she seems like she's absolutely terrified of him. And then at other times she says like, I've got this to Carlos. Mm. And he kind of runs for his life or whatever while you hold it off. Mm. And then at the end, I think it's the final time or it might be like the trick final time. Because the game kind of convinces you every time is maybe the final time. And this one, I think it feels much more concrete because she literally says to this monster, like it's basically set fire to everything around her, trashed a load of shit knocked her into this sort of bottom of this silo pit or something and she's like okay fine let's do this one final time though okay yeah. to the monster and you're like okay this might actually be the end yeah, yeah. i don't think it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're running out of time i've got this i know you do look just so you know this is the last fucking time 
No, I like that. But you're not always the, well, not fair to say you're not the biggest fan of boss battles. You like them done right, don't you? So do you think they were done right in this game? Because about like a third of the game is, is boss battle, maybe a quarter of the game. Oh, I'd say that it's not as much as that. You don't that think? Makes it, nah, because a lot of the time it's not so much a battle as a, as a like survive for a brief window before escaping again. Mm. But that's what I mean. I'm including the times where you're literally just running away. It's a big chunk of the game. Yeah, well, that is what I'm saying. It's mm. the bit that I think detracted from it for me. Uh, okay. The funny thing is you do have this in Resident Evil 2 as well. I think in that it's called like Project X or something like that. Mr. X, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, because this one's Project N and that yeah. one's Mr. X, yeah. And so there is a passage within that game or a couple of passages where you have a similar thing of this like invulnerable enemy smashing through walls coming after you relentlessly etc and I think it happens again in Resident Evil Village which I haven't yet played but I understand there is a section like that as well yeah I think that that is a problem like this idea that you have a boss that is takes so much punishment I don't know it feels not lazy because you know if they created another boss you would still have a boss battle so it doesn't really matter that it's the same boss it's more just kind of ghouling and frustrating as the player mm. that like how many fucking things do I need to throw at this guy like in this game honestly you crush him under like giant metal bars and doors and girders you melt him in molten lava fire rockets his head he seems to divide into so many different pieces and every time he comes back, he's somehow stronger with like a new form. Mm. He's metamorphosed into something else. Yeah, it, it feels like a, a slightly odd addition that because you pick up documents throughout the game, which are usually quite short and nice to read, but like points of view from like the nurses at the hospital or the security guards or whatever. But at one point you read the computer logs of kind of like the person that's been in the background who's been keeping tabs on you the whole game. Another member of Umbrella Corp's private army. He says something like, the creature seems to be adapting as it fights you, as if you have the symbiotic relationship where like it's a good thing that it's getting stronger. As in in terms of it's like worth as a bioweapon. It's like, hmm, interesting. If we throw a really tough challenge at it, it'll just get stronger and stronger. This is great. Yeah, it starts using human weaponry and growing tentacles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But which is completely unresolved in the game. There's quite a lot of un unresolved stuff at the end, isn't there? But I guess that's where the franchise continues. So what well, you'll know then, so is Resident Evil 3 like a narrative continuation of, of Resident Evil 2? It is, yeah. Mm. I mean, there's even a passage where you play, so actually I, I love this passage just because it felt like I was so familiar with it. It felt like I was kind of going back to a place that I loved <laughs> was the bit where you play as Carlos in the Raccoon City Police Department. In Resident Evil 2, the whole game takes place within the police department, pretty much, wow. and its immediate vicinity. Whereas in this, it's almost like a little homage to that game, uh... the time that you spend in there. It's actually quite fleeting, but it's enough that as you're going through, you're like, whoa. And it even includes some of the... So I don't know if you notice while you're in the police department, there's like symbols on the doors like spades yeah. and clubs from like a pack of cards he references it he says something like hmm this door looks kind of weird yeah there's a weird symbol on this door yeah exactly yeah that's because in Resident Evil 2 you are unlocking those doors and you need to like match up all the symbols and find mm. the keys and blah 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 and that's the whole area you're exploring so yeah it, it is and I love that although I mean given what happens at the end of this game hard to see that there's another one set in the police department yeah true how did they manage to set the whole game in, in one police station that's pretty cool 
oh mate it's huge when you're playing it it seems mm. like it's got warrens all over the place in the same way as you spend time in the sewers in this game mm. you spend time in the sewers in that game as well and there are tons of like sort of outbuildings and i think just because neighboring buildings are all quite interesting if i remember rightly mm. they create a lot of variety as you play through it mm. and actually because you have said that you really enjoyed this one a hundred percent i'd recommend you play resident evil 2 the remake it's so fun it's so fun so is it over i don't know but if it's not we'll stop it whatever it takes yeah you damn right we will as long as we stick together we'll be fine come on but yeah, I mean, on the boss thing, just before we move on from that, the worst part of Alien Isolation, actually, for me, was the alien, weirdly. Ah. Because even though like everyone else speaks really highly of it, and I totally get it, I totally get that it menaces you throughout, and the whole suspense of that game comes from just the paranoia and basic terror that you might be eaten at any moment by this thing. Mm. It still kind of annoyed me. Like, the atmosphere was enough to compel me in that. They could have had that menace throughout without actually bringing the alien in all the time mm. whereas in this they throw nemesis at you constantly and at no point are you really that scared of him i didn't think anyway do you think well not i think scared is the wrong word like i was scared more during the a the atmosphere when the things weren't going on like the point before like a creature appeared mm. or before a zombie like came up from the because there's dead people everywhere and you never know which of them is going to come up and be a zombie, so. Did you have a strategy to deal with them? Did you do the zombie land double tap where just like you see a corpse and just shoot them in the head before they even... I did. I, I shot every corpse I saw in the head once with the handgun, yeah. And I started off by, I can't remember, if, does the Simon Pegg do that in space? I kind of feel like I've watched someone like just really sheepishly like shoot a dead corpse like over <laughs> and over again to make sure absolutely that it isn't going to get back up. I definitely embodied that while I was playing this game. Which leads me to my second rule, the double tap. In those moments when you're not sure the undead are really dead dead, don't get all stingy with your bullets. I mean, one more clean shot to the head. And this lady could have avoided becoming a human happy meal. So the atmosphere and the vibe of the game I did find scary, even though, like we said, you are powerful enough to deal with it. But yeah, the, the points with Nemesis, it was more just a general sense of like chaos and like rattledness and confusion. And when he's chasing you, because the dodge is like, it's no like really slick like combat roll or anything. It's like a really small like strafe, which seems to happen like a few seconds after you press the button. And his attacks have like a huge um, attack radius, don't they? Yeah, he's slinging a tentacle at you across the floor. <laughs> so you just feel really adept and then you're just like, okay, God, I've just got to get through this section with being hit as few times as possible and then hopefully I've got enough healing items to get me back up to the health. The game uses those moments of chaos as well as basically an opportunity in terms of story development and I guess scene development to put you into a new area, right? Mm. In much the same way as in It Takes Two, you always seem to be falling down the next hole. Mm. In this, it's like just at the moment where you're like, hmm, I'm a bit stuck in this building. Lo and behold, bloody nemesis comes charging through, creating passages left, right and centre for you to escape through. It's mm. the same sort of stuff or like forcing you into the sewers or forcing you into a lab with a locking the door behind you so you can only go forwards now mm. and those sort of story maneuvers i mean it does work don't yeah, get me wrong yeah. like i find it galling that i'm constantly fighting the same guy but that's it mm. let's go on to a bit more of the mechanical stuff then in terms of like inventory weapons 
the herbs of healing yourself and how yeah. important that stuff is and resource management. Herb is healing of the nation. Like all alcohol is the destruction of mankind. Herb is healing of the nation. Puffin the herb. Yeah, I love all of this and me being me, I, I want it to be actually more punishing than it is. So I heard that on Resident Evil 2, if you play it on a higher difficulty, you get a limited number of saves. And like you save with this cassette player. This is Resident Evil 2. You save with a cassette player and you have to physically carry around the tapes that you're going to use to save. And there's like a limited number of these, like essentially like your save items, yeah. which I just think is so cool and would add way more tension dare i say it in a dark souls way <laughs> than this game has with its infinite saves whereas as it was in resident evil 3 um, without that limit on saves i found myself just quite often running back and saving just like if i'd done a little bit of a game run back do a save carry on so the tension never really built up as much as it could what difficulty level did you play it on though because i think that does change depending on standard yeah yeah okay i did standard as well because at the very end of the game, it grades you on your performance. Yeah. And for you to get the top grades, S and A, yeah. you need to have done like minimal saving. Like one of them, I think. Might... Yeah, five times it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I read I, I read <laughs> up on it because I wondered if, if this game did the same thing at a high difficulty. But yeah. So yeah, to achieve S rank, you can only save the game five times or something like that. Because I sort of vaguely remembered something like that from playing Resident Evil 2. And so when I was playing through, I was tempted to do what you just described of running back constantly to save. But then I kept thinking, oh no, I'm going to try and like keep my saves to like a minimum level. Oh, that's level. cool. Which in a way had the same sort of impetus that you were describing there of having like a finite number of saves and increasing the tension but I knew it was self-imposed and that yeah. if I was really stressed I could just go and run back and do it. But that's quite nice it's nice that there's some carrot there for making it harder for yourself I didn't know that I was going to be graded on my performance hmm. at the end of the game so I had a ludicrous number of saves <laughs> But I actually wonder, would you have played it differently if you had known that do you think? Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I think you would have, man. I definitely think you would have. This reminds me of that time. I can't remember which other game we were talking about where there were achievements, but they were invisible. And we were both saying we wouldn't play it again. So knowing that the achievements were there up front would have been quite a useful way to have prodded us to try and achieve those things on the first time through. And like it might have added some like fun little goals. Mm. And I sort of feel the same about this. Like I finished it and it gave you this grading system and gives you some interesting stats and then lays out some of the challenges you missed. And you're like, ah, if I'd known they were there, I definitely would have tried for them, but I'm probably not going to now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was Desperados 3 at the end of every level. It Ah, told you all the medals that you could have worked towards and whether you got them or not so that you could try it again there goes Teo's magnificent memory again <laughs> and we were just like ah, if only we'd had that little goal at the time it would have been way nicer and we're never going to replay this game yeah <laughs> so yeah there was that what else oh yeah inventory management yeah hoarding resources and like herbs and stuff because I, mm. I went through the completionist attitude of like basically the game I love the game's map by the mm. way the map is, we've we've dissed maps in a lot of games, I feel like, and this mm. one nails it. I always know where I am. I always know where I'm trying to get to. It's very clear, like even just, so you say you come across ammo, the game knows it's important that you're carefully watching your ammo stocks. So it flags it on the map. And if you're not able to pick it up then because you've got full ammo, it doesn't matter. Like you're not going to forget it because it's marked yep. on your map that there's ammo there. 
And when you've totally cleared an area, the zone turns blue. Mm. How lovely is that? So a blue good. zone. You can just you can just forget about it and move on. You're not constantly walking around being like, but did I miss something? Mm. And as there are like a few puzzles in the games, like really straightforward puzzles, but there are a few here and there where there's no icon to tell you that like this is where the thing is that you need. Usually it's quite obvious because it's quite linear, but you might have just missed it and gone ahead or circled back for some reason. You know if you're stuck which areas that you need to explore to progress, which is really nice as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a massive quality of life improvement. But as a result, the reason I mention it is because you are seeing herbs, you're seeing ammo, Mm. they're getting left on the map because you've got full inventory. Because again, inventory management, I think is really good. Like it it slowly like gives you pouch upgrades so (laughs) that it grows your storage, but never so generously that you feel like you can just throw any old thing in there. Mm. And at the same time, never so restrictively that you can't always like drop something or lose something for a for an important item yeah um so i think they they balance that really well but i did have shit tons of stuff by the end in my in my storage locker i was like they've given me too much too generous to be fair not with ammo i didn't think with ammo i was pretty much cleared myself out by the end but with healing items for sure i had lots and lots of healing items left do you think they could have done more with the healing as well because like the red herbs and the green herbs two greens makes a medium healing salve and red and green is like a maximum health but then you also pick up healing sprays which are also maximum health i was kind of like why did they introduce so many it felt like they almost had a plan for another herb that would have been crossed with blue or something yeah i guess the green herbs also get rid of that parasite but that's literally just used in one scene and i think and never again that scene is cool yeah that's really scary that bit (laughs) (laughs) that's probably the scariest bit actually yeah you're kind of walking around in a more like gears of war style like fleshy horror scape with like this massive monster which is producing these like spidery things that's what when you said the spiders went out of it is that not were they not spiders or no those don't count as the giant spiders i'm afraid they don't count no they were some sort of parasite bug weren't they yeah i suppose so they drip salivary goo from the ceiling exactly like alien isolation so you're looking you're seeing these vents or holes in the ceiling you're like oh god is it there is it not there and you're just like pointing at them and then you hear running next to you and you're like spinning around it's super atmospheric yeah for sure could they have done more with what is essentially crafting like yeah like you make ammo with different combination of gunpowder and healing items with different combination of herbs Uh, i don't know it doesn't overstay its welcome does it like you do it when you can and don't worry about it when you can't it's not like breath of the wild where it's like you're concocting up a unique combination of recipes yeah every time it's just fairly straightforward like oh i can't quite make this i guess i'll make the handgun ammo but should i wait until i've got high grade gunpowder and make some shotgun ammo instead i think it's okay yeah but similarly with the upgrades to the weapons i felt they were maybe a bit underdeveloped initially you get a site or a red dot site or something don't you and it's like yeah i knew where to aim do you know what i mean i didn't really need this hasn't massively benefited my gameplay because now there's a dot in the middle of the cuticle or whatever not cuticle i always call it a cuticle what am i on about crosshair crosshair (laughs) i don't know by the end of the game the shotgun feels really powerful like you've got like six shells instead of four you can reload them two at a time you've got no recoil because we should talk about the shooting a little bit because it is funny how they've made it super slow. Like bog standard zombies feel threatening because you you think you've got loads of time and then 
<laughs> and then somehow they're like right up next to you. And the way they kind of like, what's the word? Sway? Shamble. Shamble. Yeah. yeah Shamble is the right word. Shamble, like back and forth. It's not like they have one walking animation, which is predictable. You're never quite sure which way their head's going to like wobble. Oh God. Yeah. Their head wobbling. As they're walking towards you. The number of whiffed shots I had, because I lined up a perfect headshot and then they would just drop their head at the last minute. It's so good. Yeah. Same. Even though you know that you're probably not, you're not going to die from like one bite. Like I think it takes like three or four bites usually before you die. And you've always got time to pop a healing item. You've got time and you know that they're probably not going to kill you. You do feel the pressure as they're getting closer and closer. And you do miss shots because you're rattled that they're getting closer. And you feel like, oh, I should be able to get them before they bite me. Especially towards the end when you get a gun that's sort of, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's like the equivalent of the Desert Eagle or whatever, mm. where it's a one-shot oh, yeah. headshot. But it's got very finite ammo and a small clip mm. and so as a result you really really want to get the headshot every bullet feels important mm. and it's so annoying when they do one of those little head jerks at the end because you're like oh, that was an important bullet yeah Take some shooting lessons asshole with the crafting basically with the limited resources because there's a like a finite number of resources on the map and so if you did decide for whatever reason to just shoot the wall, like all your ammo, that's it. It's not coming back. Like you have to reload or it's gone. I love that. Just that alone, like added an element of excitement for me. Yeah, for sure. What I was really saying, I guess, about the weapon upgrades is you do get a variety of weapons and it feels like there's always an appropriate weapon for an appropriate situation. Mm. And for a short game, I think it's the right number. But I don't know, it felt you had to work quite hard to get the upgrade and then the upgrade wasn't too substantial. Mm. And it wasn't like in Dead Rising or something where you can just craft whatever. I'm not suggesting that you could just find a baseball bat and <laughs> marry it to a balloon and a nail gun and whatever. Yeah. But I felt like maybe it could have felt a bit more like, oh yes, I've got the bloody stock for the butt of this gun or whatever and it's going to do this mm. massive transformation to my gun play and it's going to be so much more useful but instead the number of times where i got something and i felt that initial like oh, what's it going to do and then i was like oh okay <laughs> it's the equivalent of leveling up in an rpg getting a skill point and then rushing to your tree to look at all the ways you can spend it and finding it increases like your critical hit by one percent or something yeah yeah i think that's fair enough i didn't mind too much about that but i can see how you felt it it's definitely not ratchet and clank put it that way <laughs> no don't you think it's weird to throw a celebration for us i mean we haven't done anything heroic in <laughs> years what if everyone thinks we're washed up? Oh, what if we are washed up? The thing I did like about that is that it felt quite humble. The survival element of it was a bit like, mm, just any extra little bonus I'll take <laughs> in this situation. Yeah, there's a charm to its simplicity as well. Yeah, yeah. It feels steady and satisfying with each new incremental unlock. That is true. Hmm. And you do feel like you're slowly becoming more capable as the game goes on and mm. feel like there's a reason that you can cope with challenges that you wouldn't have been able to an hour ago kind of thing yeah for sure it is funny though that like it is happening all in real time pretty much other than there's a couple of points within the narrative where for instance you get knocked out as jail and carlos runs to help you but i mean it's all happening within hours of each other and the number of events that are happening in that time is absolutely ludicrous <laughs> yeah definitely 
So I think that's pretty much the mechanics covered. I don't think I wanted to say anything else about how the game plays. Well, on weaponry, I suppose we could say, you know, you get grenades, you get flash grenades, uh, you, you get a knife, but I never figured out how to use it. What, really? Did you try and press aim and then trigger, same as you would the gun? No, I didn't. That's how you use it. <laughs> oh my God, do you know what? Everyone listening is like, is he fucking stupid? But the reason is, why would you aim a knife? Aim a knife, it's true. I was spamming right trigger, but why was I aiming it? What? It's true, it's true. Every time I got renewed inventory and the knife was back in there, I immediately put it into the storage. Because I was like, I just don't know what the benefit of this is. Yeah, there, there were times when I had it in the storage as well. But just the fact that you didn't actually have to use it tells me that you played the game a little bit better than me. Because there were times when I was reduced to nothing but my knife. And it, yeah, that was probably the tensest moment of the game. What? Really? Yeah. We can circle back to it because it's it's a bit in the game a bit later on in the narrative. So, so should we explore the story a bit more? All right, go on then. So after Jill escapes... Oh, yeah, I, I should say at this point as well that I actually played the game with... It's a Japanese game, I think. It's Capcom, isn't it? Japanese developer. Yeah. And so they had Japanese audio. I played it with subtitles, but I took the chance to hear a bit of Japanese while I was gaming, which is really... Oh, what? <laughs> so you didn't hear all the like, we've got to get out of here. No, for me, it was like, Prado, Tajobuka, Tajobuka, Prado. Oh, well, that sounds pretty hyperbolic as well, yeah. Ikurai! It was pretty hyperbolic and really funny to listen to. So you escape as Jill, you meet Carlos, and then you get the subway working, and then you escape on the subway, and then the subway train like flies off the tracks, and then you have to like go through the sewers. Anyway, you make your way to the hospital, don't you, to find the vaccine. You've somehow managed to avoid mentioning the villain of the piece. Nikolai. Oh yeah, I forgot. I, I avoided I avoided mentioning him earlier, but yeah. You want to talk about Nikolai? Nikolai Zinoviev. Yeah. Yeah. Well he's Russian for a start, so perfect villain. Yeah, true. For our times. And yeah, the first time you meet him, classic zombie scene, someone's been infected, you're hesitating on shooting him because obviously you want to save him. And Nikolai just like shoots him. It's like, you're not gonna get very far with that kind of attitude. Yeah. And then he just gets more and more hilariously evil as the game moves forward. Yeah, I mean, absolutely psychotic. And what's weird is you and everyone else seems terrified of the zombies and terrified of this crazy nemesis thing that can apparently not be killed by anything and is indestructible and is violent as shit and laying waste to the entire environment around it. But he seems totally chill with it. He's there like, wow, isn't he beautiful? Let's get a photo. Let's monitor his combat abilities. And you're thinking like, what? Dude, he's gonna kill you mate yeah he, he has this incredible natural ability to whatever the explosion or thing that happens he's always got like the high inaccessible ground which means that he's perfectly safe from whatever destruction is happening around yeah. him yeah so and funny. at certain times you just catch a glimpse of him through windows a little bit like you catch a glimpse of the g-man in half-life yeah that's cool that bit isn't it and yeah, I mean, his character just gets more and more ridiculous. Like, clearly he's been hired by Umbrella to cover up. So he's, like, murdered the scientist that secured the vaccine and all this kind of thing. But then in the end, like, you find the vaccine in the hospital and you, your character falls down and it, like, falls out of your pocket. And he takes it and he's like, I'll give it you back, but as a repayment, I'm going to 
video you fighting the monster and sell that as like combat data and you're like really <laughs> like what is your vibe here can't we just like at some point let's just get the hell out of here <laughs> yeah well because he's very smug throughout because he's got this helicopter waiting for him so he seems to think although i mean he's cutting it pretty fine yeah he's cutting it so fine <laughs> if i was just getting a train to london from cardiff i wouldn't leave it anywhere near as fine as this guy does whereas he's escaping from a missile that's about to flatten the entire city and he's literally leaving it so his blades are spinning up in like the last 30 seconds yeah it's like oh nicola you're so inefficient what else does he do oh yeah he he doesn't cause the train crash it's nemesis that causes the train crash but his superior officer and you are in the same train carriage and he just shuts you in so he's like it's after you not me so as long as as long as you're there i'm safe and you're like really like can we just leg it like it's gonna kill us all eventually but he also once he realizes that the nemesis is improving each time it has some sort of battle then you read some correspondence i think it's on like a computer or a terminal or something where he says he'll engineer ways for you to keep encountering yeah that's true actually I, i'd forgotten that so it's like as if he's sort of like puppeteering somehow <laughs> these encounters between you which like is so villainous and funny and entertaining but like yeah absurd i find your views on this really funny Teo, because some games i swear there's a villain that's like totally preposterous and you don't like it because it's totally preposterous and like the same with like the cinematic element blah blah Mm. and other times i feel like you really like it because it's like doubled down on it in a sort of (laughs) b-movie style (laughs) exactly that's exactly it it feels like a b-movie so i can both enjoy it and laugh at it at the same time because normally we would say a two-dimensional character is a bad thing right if you are like you have Mm. no nuance as a villain you are just like i'm evil for the sake of being evil i only do evil things in games and as a result you're the hero the good guy so you're constantly coming into conflict with me and normally you'd be like that's just fucking greedful style lame yeah it's true whereas in this it's like that's brilliant that's perfect that's exactly what this game needed the ball rolling <laughs> yeah i guess it is that it's just it doubles down on it on the ridiculousness of it in a sort of way that if it was a movie i guess like that's why cult movies become cult movies often is that they're mm. so bad that they're good i did not hit her it's not true it's bullshit i did not hit her i did not oh hi mark but the game isn't bad but like the i guess the cinematic element of it is very b movie isn't it i mean yeah the story is pretty bad yes, come on yeah, yeah. it's not the sort of story that you'd be like whoa this is like full of originality of deep characters of tight script and believable emotion not at all it's like literally everything is very forecast as soon as there's even the fact that there's you know you're Jill. She's a female character saving the city. Here you meet Carlos at the beginning. He's a male character saving the city. It's yeah. like, oh, wonder what happens here with regards to romancing. Yeah. And that plot is just progresses the entire way through. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so straightforward. And as soon as you meet the Russian in the opening scene, you're like, well, he's pegged as the evil guy. It's like straight off the bat. Yeah. No doubt about it. That guy's a psycho. Yeah. And the supporting characters are so sweet, but like without any personality at all. Like Carlos's partner, there were times when I was like, what? "Like, how is this guy so chilled out?" Tyrell, is it? Yeah, Tyrell. Carlos is like, "I'm going to save Jill," and Tyrell's just like, "Yeah, no worries. I'll finish up here and then meet you at the hospital." And it's like, 
really? It's just that that simple in this zombie-ridden, like, <laughs> that's it. At that point, if I was tired, I'd be like, stick together. Let's not split up. But he's like, yeah, that's chill. Just meet you down the road. <laughs> well, I guess we better split up and look around. It's like those classic examples where you've had to get to a location. So you've battled your way. It's taken you hours. You've unlocked doors. You've, like, fought off enemies. And then you get to the mm. location and he's like, I'll be there now. And then he just appears next to you. And you're like, yeah. Jesus, did you just follow my exact footsteps? Or did you have to fight shit as well? Like, <laughs> Yeah. But this does actually bring me to the point in the game, which I thought was one of the most exciting scenes that took me the longest to complete. And that was when Jill's been bitten. You've taken her to the hospital. You want to find the vaccine, but... Tyrell turns up and he's exhausted from his trip of getting there. And then you can hear the zombie hordes outside. So Carlos is like, don't worry, you sit down. I've got this. And again, I'm thinking, no, let's work together. <laughs> I've got this. That's, I swear that line happens so many times. Fuck, here they come. Oh, you sit tight. I got this. So it's your classic holdout where like the shutters are closing ludicrously slowly and then like the generator breaks so you've got to flick the circuit breaker to make them turn back on and they're coming through the doors like the big monsters are coming in and yeah this scene this scene took me like five or six tries to complete I think just because you're in such a small space and the maneuverability is so poor that and yeah, I ran out of ammo, so I completed the scene. And then Carlos really cockily just goes, I guess I'll just clean up the rest. And there were four zombies left and all I had was my knife. And I was like, mm, just clean up the rest, huh? And so somehow I managed to cheese these four zombies with nothing but my knife. Whoa, that is a good effort. That actually sounds pretty difficult. Carlos, you all right? Not even close. But at least it's over. You're getting through to a C4 detonation, aren't you, to like blow up the remaining ones. Mm. That is a tricky scene. They do give you some stuff. One of the things that I found funny in the game in general, actually, is the way it prompts you to use your environment. So like the first time you encounter a generator that is visibly sparking everywhere and is like flashing off. It looks really, really perilous. Like you wouldn't go near mm. it. There's a little sign near it and it's like, hmm, generators can be really dangerous. You wouldn't, for example, want them to get hit by gunfire. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah, thanks for the subtle hint. Yeah, yeah. And then you can shoot the generators, obviously, and it you know, lays out loads of zombies that are nearby, kind of stuns them, knocks them over, which just buys you some time and does a bit of damage to them. But like the way the game prompts you with those things, and in that scene you're talking about, there's a couple of generators, isn't there, so that you can be shrewd with your mm, use yeah. of bullets though it sounds like you weren't yeah well, I, I swear i was though. A, that scene is long and if you fail it like it takes some time to do the rest of it especially because the big monster comes from above quite near the end of the fight mm. so you've already been fighting for ages and then that thing drops through the ceiling and you're like oh yeah. fuck i've used up all my good weapons i should have saved those grenades yeah fortunately it does give you grenades so that next time you do it you can save your grenades for it oh one thing actually on this point because i'm pretty sure it would have happened here is that the game constantly prompts you to downgrade difficulty doesn't it did you encounter this yeah it does yeah i yeah. kept being like ah it's so annoying because it says in the thing when it pops up it's like you know you've died a couple of times here sort of thing do you want to mm. reboot in easy and then it says brackets this is unchangeable once you downgrade mm. that's it and I was like, I never wanted to do that. And I wish I could have just said, no, don't ask me again. Because every time it popped up, mm. I'd like really studying my gamepad to make sure that I was pushing the right button. Because I was like, if I accidentally hit triangle instead of square or whatever. Yeah, same here. I don't know why I'm using PlayStation metrics because I played it on PC. So 
<laughs> yeah, but did you use a controller? I did use a controller, yeah. But an Xbox controller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Which I'm just looking at my controller now. Yeah, it definitely has letters, not symbols. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> squares and triangles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about the ending? Yeah, I think we need to talk about the ending. Because it's the darkest... For, like, a game that we've basically described as, like, hilariously silly, mm. it has the blackest of endings. Yeah. So, first of all, you're fighting for ages to get this vaccine. You manage to get it. Then it gets broken. Then you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to reproduce the vaccine myself. So you, like, leap through another load of hurdles to produce the vaccine. Eventually, you manage to produce it. You escape into the roof. They're going to bomb the city because they're basically, like... By them, I mean, like, the government or whatever. Mm. They're going to bomb the city to lay waste to it because they think it's the easiest way of stemming the flow of this virus and stopping Mm. the outbreak. And so they agree that they will stop the missile strike if you get them the vaccine before they fire it, (laughs) which is, like, kind of weird. So, like, why don't you just wait, maybe give me a few hours? <laughs> and Tyrell, and it was already going to be launched then, right? So Tyrell's like, yeah, good news. They will stop the missile strike if we get the vaccine before they were already going to do the missiles. And you're like, that's no use. Already, the constraint was the time. <laughs> yeah. And so you managed to put together the vaccine and you're like, as Terry mentioned earlier, you're just about to get it to the exit when, lo and behold, Nemesis shows up. It falls out of your pocket. Evil guy takes it, does his weird little combat training video, and then you manage to win that battle, but he's buggered off to the rooftop. Mm. You get to the rooftop, and he just fucking shoots the vaccine. Yeah, he's like, have the vaccine, and then shoots it. The only one that you've you've now got, and you've spent the entire game trying to engineer and they just take it from you in those last moments mm. and then you have to just fly off in the helicopter while the sea gets absolutely leveled <laughs> oh my god it's savage the way that happens as well because there's this this moment when they're flying off in the helicopter and they look out the window and they see the missile go by and it's almost like they've seen something like a shooting star or like a whale when they're on a boat and they're like, oh, there it goes, look, in this sort of excited way and you're thinking, guys, that's just about to kill tens of thousands of people probably. Yeah, and then before you get into the helicopter, there's another classic film scene where Carlos is like grappling Nikolai from behind and you've got to shoot Nikolai and Carlos is like shoot just shoot just shoot and you're like really just shoot maybe like throw him onto the ground and then shoot <laughs> we could try, try that for a tactic you don't have to hold him in this exact position where I could also shoot you but did you get the scene did you shoot straight away um I was trying to get a headshot because I thought you would need to be careful about how you shoot. So I was going for the headshot yeah. and uh, no, I got I got a knife to the forehead. Yeah, because you started by saying that the old game had alternate endings. I mean, this obviously doesn't count as an alternate ending, but you do have the sad ending, well, the complete loss ending and then the still dark but successful ending of escaping in the helicopter, don't you? Well, I don't know if it counts an ending. You die. Like, you have the capacity to die at any point during the game, but this one is a is a slightly more cinematic death, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. It's it's scripted, and Nikolai is like, you can't 
like shoots Carlos and throws a throwing knife like straight into your head and, and just like says something pithy over your corpse. Carlos! No! <laughs> Knew you couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty graphic. I felt a little bit at the end dismayed because all my hard work was undone. And don't be wrong, obviously that's mm. the story and that's the way the, that it was meant to play out and for the characters to feel absolutely devastated that they've put all this effort in, surviving, getting the vaccine, fighting off all these enemies, only for it to all come to nothing. Mm. And I'm pretty sure at the end she says something like, I decided then and there. The ashes of Raccoon City would be Umbrella's ashes too. I would end them once and for all. She's basically turns it into like a vengeance thing, doesn't she? Yeah, she's going to take down Umbrella Corp. Yeah, which, you know, sets up the rest of it, I suppose, pretty nicely. Mm. I don't recall playing the subsequent games, so I'm not sure to what extent you do continue playing as Jill Valentine. I think you do in at least one other game, mm. but Carlos, you don't. He's definitely not in another numbered Resident Evil title i think he might be in like a resident evil colon something mm. i don't know to what extent jill's story continues do you remember how it all kind of pans out in the end no really not i'm not a super fan of the series so yeah i've got no insight for you this time on like the intricate resident evil lore <laughs> narrative arcs but that being said would you like to be now because this definitely wet my appetite like after this i immediately went and got biohazard and was like oh yeah i'm gonna play through that when i get a minute as well oh really yeah and i added the village or village to my wish list so that as soon as it's on discount i can get that as well because i was like actually mm. i think i do really like survival horrors when i think back through them i'm like there's not many that i've played where i've been like this is shit or i haven't enjoyed it yeah yeah same yeah i would like not straight away though i think variety is the spice life for me like maybe i'll play another one next year or something like that mm. i definitely of course as with every game it encourages you to play it again and we talked about that i wouldn't play it again straight away and i don't think i'd play a game again like it straight away afterwards that's not a criticism i think that's just how i play games no yeah it's true i mean it's the same when we finished playing uh the forest for instance mm. i really enjoyed that game if i remember rightly you did as well yeah yeah actually some of the music in this reminded me of the forest while i was playing it was one of the relationships that came to mind i was like oh yeah this reminds me of that mm, but i wouldn't go from playing the forest to immediately playing the forest too which isn't out yet but children of the forest is due soon and i know that in my head i'm like i will want to play it but i'm not in a rush to play it because i feel like the forest we just played and the same with like subnautica you would take a break before jumping straight into below zero mm. uh, maybe not with subnautica because it's so fucking good but in general yeah <laughs> but yeah no overall i i love playing this game and it's just such a good length as well you're right though it did say because i think you said that your playtime was like six hours or something right i'm not sure which way around it was it said it was six hours but steam told me it was like 13 hours or something yeah because when i looked at your steam as i don't know why i always do this but i always like have a little nosy of your steam afterwards it said it's a little bit stalky i gotta say yeah <laughs> we do work together on a podcast but yeah it said 16.3 i'm looking at it right now 16.3 hours but i do know that you like to leave games on but then i wondered like how has it managed to give you such a low yeah and anyway it said six and a half hours for me and steam said 8.5 hours which is definitely like the time amount of time i had the game open 
so yeah don't know what's up with that playtime but i would say eight to ten hours for this game yeah which is a good good length yeah i guess it's just because you leave it on pause sometimes like maybe it doesn't count yeah. time spent in menu screens and stuff like that yeah maybe maybe perusing the settings and various other stuff so when you finish and it gives you the grade and it gives you those challenges and there's also a collectible that we didn't mention called a Charlie doll that you can like smash as you're in your way through the world. I didn't manage to smash them all. I thought I was smashing everyone I saw but I must have missed a few because I didn't get anything for it. But I imagine you do get something for it whether it's a costume because you basically the game lets yeah. you unlock uniforms or other cosmetics but also quite interestingly actual gaming perks so like mm. you can do more damage or your grenades do more damage or whatever and the idea being that then it's almost like a challenge and you try and do it as quick as possible the playthrough or you try and do it with as many deaths or like shooting off zombie caps is one of them for instance mm. and i saw it and i thought that's really cool i like that they've done that and i would never try and get any of them because for me i've played the game now and it's it's a done deal yeah, yeah. Are we unusual in that regard? Do you think there are loads of people who are like, as soon as they finish, think, right, now I'm going to try and do it in two hours? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. It's definitely a theme of most games we play, though, isn't it? And not just because we're playing them for the podders, because I just don't replay games. Like, I did a bit when I was a kid, but even when I was a kid, I didn't replay that many games. Like, I can make like a handful, but I did. What do you mean you don't really play games? You're the host replay, of a replay. gaming podcast. Oh, replay games. It's all a lie. <laughs> <sighs> are we unusual I've, I've no idea I don't think so but maybe unusually awesome maybe Teo maybe maybe <laughs> alright cool so what's what's next up Teo man we're playing a game called Overboard my husband has been murdered oh we are playing that one cool because I'd given you a few options and then you said they all sounded great and I was like well that's I'm really glad you're keen on them all but fucking pick one <laughs> uh, yeah I think Overboard is a it's an Inkle game same devs that made 80 days so uh, yeah looking forward to that sweet well I don't know that much about it beyond the fact that it seems to be a murder mystery where you are mm. the murderer Ah, I see. And we told ourselves we'd play more murder mystery games, didn't we? Because we always love them so much. So. Yeah, well, I've noticed looking back through the history of games we've done, we are a bit light on detective games. So, I figure. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. No, Teo, not really. Oh. That oh, was oh, okay. ironic. I was looking at you like, huh? <laughs> This is one of those problems that I'm arises sure from not those. being in the same room. <laughs> you looked at me with a completely straight face. Ha <laughs> <laughs> 